people. What up, though? We back. Week four of, or week four, episode four of the All Black Men Need Therapy podcast. As you can see, we have our first, our very first guest on the show. His name is Mr. Leslie Butterfly Soul Taylor. He's a great friend of ours, a, a solid man. He is currently the trainer and curriculum coordinator for Momentum Education Team Basic out in Chicago, correct? Well, you travel nationwide. Travel. Yeah. You travel nationwide. He's a, a gifted actor, poet, playwright. He was featured on Russell Simmons' Death Poetry Jam. I remember the episode, I, I see you in my head right now. He had hair in that joint, you know what I'm saying? No shout, we, we both, you know, hey, look, it is what it is, player. Um, <laughs> I don't think I realized that. That's Not that you had hair, because I know he's obviously a, you had hair at some he's point. A, he's a great man. He, um, he is the director of my play titled I Wish Life Had Training Wheels. And uh, in preparing for that, he pushed me to limits I didn't think I could go. And it's part of the reason why we have him here outside of his brilliance. He has a tendency to get us to go to a place where we've been reluctant to take it to. We've touched on many topics, but I think Bell and I have been very surface level with it. We've given you just, just enough emotion to where it's relatable, but we haven't dug deep under the, under the core. And I think Butter is more than capable of uh, getting us to, to, to harp on things and really tap into that side that some people are probably itching to see, I guess. Did you even introduce us? I mean, they've, if they've been watching, they know who we are. <laughs> the, hey, the whole three hey, episodes. Hey, listen, we got more than seven followers, though. You know what I'm saying? We seven do. seven so subscribers. Let's, let's, let's t touch on that real quick. First of all, shout out to everybody. This is the first episode that we've recorded after viewing the, the feedback and after seeing the response we've been getting with pe from people. It's been heart heartfelt. Like, we appreciate everybody listening in. We got over, like, and I don't even know what this means, but we got over 200 something downloads, close to 300 at this point. Uh, I would imagine that's pretty decent, but I don't um, know. But, but it's dope. I'll take it. it. Yeah. Hey, we got people in Denmark and India listening to it. Word, word. So shout out to you. Shout out to the folks in Denmark and India. We don't know who you are, but shoot us an email. Yeah. Holler us on Instagram so we can give you a, a correct and proper shout out. For real. Yeah. I'm Chief. I'm Bell. And this, that's Butter. And this is All Black Men Need Therapy. So. We like like Chief said, guys, we wanted to if you've been watching the show, you've probably noticed that I haven't been wanting to touch this topic. And even like literally right before we started, I was talking Which to you'll Butter. see. Yeah. Um, and we're gonna give Butter a chance to talk, I promise. I know Chief and I no, kinda, he just here. <laughs> we're kinda hogging, hogging everything right now. But even before this, uh we started recording, I was kind of trying to prep Butter for like what direction I want to go which is an oxymoron because we got butter on here because we don't want to limit what direction we going, you know? So I was still trying to control the conversation. More importantly, trying to control how far it goes for me personally, emotionally, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, this podcast and the feedback we've been getting is, hey, we appreciate you guys basically putting it all out there. It, it allows me to want to, you know, reflect and do that too. That's a lot of the feedback we've gotten. But like we said in every episode, guys, we are human, right? We, we mess up just like y'all mess up and we guard things just like you guys guard things. So I think for me, my reluctancy is because I don't know where those emotions will take me, you know? And then I, I don't know if I'm ready to deal with it. But here we are. You know, we're we doing it for y'all. Right. We're doing so it for y'all. In preparing for the show, one of my one of my big statements, buddy, in my head was like, I want to tell people I'm scared. But 
in, in stating that, I'm thinking, you know, I want to tell him I'm scared, but I'm not afraid, if that makes sense. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, but to me, that resonated like, yo, like, you, you, you still trying to hide, cover up the, you know, use the macho to cover up the, the emotion. Right. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because it's the truth, though. Like, I'm, I'm scared. But I'm not afraid if, if that, you know, if that makes sense to some people, you know what I'm saying? So, like the analogy, like, you're like you about to get jumped. Like, you scared, but you'll fight everybody right. because you have to, right. you know what I'm saying? But it's not like something that you want to do necessarily. You just, you just, I guess, I mean, everybody lives with the ultimate. We never know, but that, that, that weight is even more so on us as black men. Like, well, there's, a, there's a fear that people outside of black men don't have to live with. Right. When we see them burping <clears> cherries in the background, it's like when the white guy gets pulled over at no point and ever is he thinking I may lose my life right now. Right. You know, he, I, I may lose my life after getting pulled over for, for a broken taillight. No one, no white guy has ever sat there and thought that Well, I, I would assume. Right. And if they do, they don't think about it as often as we do probably. That it's every right. time. I mean, when, when you see lights coming at us and we driving down the street and they come in the opposite direction, it's like, uh Oh, I'm going I'm I'm, I'm to pop pause you for a second. Cause my man Butter has just been sitting here listening. Not like we have Butter. You know, tell the world who you are, Butter. I you told know. him already. I, how you know that's enough? Like, let that man talk. Yeah, listen. I I literally can listen to you all all day. It's really first. I'm honored to be the first guest. I'm honored to be here. I appreciate what you all are doing, um, and I'm a fan of you both. So I think that I think the thing about being about fear and afraid. You all are also fathers. Right. And neither, you, neither one of you knew how to be a father before you became fathers. That process can be scary. But after those first couple of steps, you stop being afraid. Right. You, start, you got into the business of raising your child and being an amazing and exemplary man in your community. So you have like, we, I think we all move in that space. I'm a father and a grandfather, so I get it from that lens of like, yeah, there are things that are scary, but I can't be afraid. Right. I don't really have the luxury. I don't know that we have the luxury to be afraid. I think afraid is a great concept, but the reality of it is, like what Bell was saying, we don't stop. We just keep moving. Right. Right. And again, I'm Leslie Butterfly Soul Taylor. You can call me Butter. Most teens know me as Uncle Butter or Theo Montequia. So. <laughs> Montequia. Oh, see that? Yo, see what I just did? Somebody was talking about how I laugh with my whole body. I mean, that's how you're supposed to laugh. Every time I laugh, I lean back. That's how you're supposed to get a good laugh in anyway. Yeah, you get the, you got to laugh from your whole self. Right. 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 So let's get into it. What are we talking about tonight, gentlemen? So current events. And um, so this is good, too, for those who are listening. We mentioned Bud in, I believe, the first episode. We, we shouted him yeah. out as to why we moved the episodes up. And we moved it up because of current events. And this is ironic, too. We moved it up because, because of current events, but I'm not ready to talk about current events, which is just crazy, right? So that is where we are today. Like, current events, obviously... You know, George Floyd being one, Amal Arbery, Breonna Taylor. Like, unfortunately, the list goes on. You know what I mean? And so that's that's why um, we felt it necessary to touch on now. Because it's stuff that we're all dealing with and we're all thinking about in one shape, form, or fashion. And, you know, I think it's good for the people to just hear our perspective on this. And not to mention it falls completely in line with the therapy necessary are needed because of these events, you know? Yeah, I mean, you know, PTSD is a real thing. Um, I just hosted a Black Teens Matter last Sunday. And um, a lot of the conversation was around um, how these young people are returning to school mm. in August. And like, so 
for you all, and you actually came on one of the calls, Bell, yes. and that same young man hosted the event. And so because of that, he had, um, and he identifies as Afro-Latino. Yep. And so he really spoke from his heart passionately. He's 13 going into the eighth grade. And he moved this group of people because like this, this is impacting all of us at all levels. There's no way to get around it. There's no way to get under it. We got to go through it. And so that's why the conversation is necessary. And I think it's responsible though. I just want to acknowledge your self-care. It's responsible to say, I'm not ready to have the conversation. Right. And then now to even kind of feel like, eh, I'm not, I'm more ready than I was before. It's still an acknowledgement of self-care being present. That's a big deal. Right. No, for sure. You don't want to like minimize your self-care. That's a, that's a big piece. And that's like a, that's almost like a double entendre right now. Cause it's like self-care within self-care as in the right. podcast being. Right. Self-care. Right. And before I forget, just so I can make an outline of what this episode is about. So we obviously talk about current events, talking about the psychological toll, the emotional toll. Right. Um, and then we'll close it off with like the hope that I, that I do have and that we have for the future. But, so um, I pulled up, I pulled up some statistics, but in mm-hmm. one year from today, as of a year ago, 1,026 people have been killed by police. As of right now, from January 1st until right now, 498 people have been killed by police. We're halfway there. How many of those black? You know, it. I didn't, it didn't. Well, I know 64% of people killed by police um, are black. I do know that. I looked that up a, a while ago. 64% of 498, so. And you know what, let's. And consider that that our numbers are high in the uh, in the killing by police, but our numbers are low as we are here on the planet in population. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So that was another thing. So the same guy I referenced in episode one about you know him being pulled over by the cops because his father has some issues with somebody related to the town. Um, he and I were good friends, and I'm getting his perspective which I'm not sure I feel about it all the way yet, but I'll just, I'll, I'll kind of talk to you about our last conversation. What he said was, he was like, hey man, like I get it and I'm with you and I agree. Like this stuff is wrong and needs to be fixed. He's 100% agree with you. He's like, but just a question. He's like, the percentage of black people who kill cops or shoot cops is higher than the percentage of white people that do it. So what he asked was, he's like, does that play a factor into a cop's mind going into that encounter with a black it, person? Of course it does. But so I'll let you one second, but so what, when he said that, it caused me to start doing some research. What I realized is that the most violent per the 2018 statistics from the FBI, the, the violent crime offenders I think it was like 70 something, it was uh, 70, 68% of them were, 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 no, it was 72% of them were white. So of the arrests of, of, of violent crime, 72% of the arrests are white. And, and, and so I never, we never re-engaged in this conversation, but it's like, well, if we're going off statistics, one, why aren't you scared every time you pull a white person over? Right. If if statistically they're they're more violent statistically, and then the other thing is, if it is based on statistics, why isn't it proportionate? 
right? So if it's if it's whatever percentage of, of black people kill kill cops or shoot cops, then why aren't those the numbers proportionate to white people being killed by cops? So like if if it's sixty four percent of the people being killed by cops, it should be sixty four percent of the black people that are shooting cops. But it's not. It's not it's, even it's, close. It's, so, so if we're getting if sixty four percent of us are getting killed, and that means forty or thirty six percent of white people are shooting cops. That means 36% of white people should be getting killed, but it's not proportionate. So that's why I was like, I hear in theory what you're saying, but it doesn't add up. Right. You know what I mean? I thought of that. I mean, they get, they get, they go in and shoot up a fucking church and get Burger King. Yeah. Get arrested and take yeah. out a Burger King. I yeah. was literally, I was literally just thinking that. I think that um, when you look at school shootings, um, how many were by black, black boys or girls? <laughs> I don't know of any. I, in, the, in the recent times, I don't think, there's been many. You had the, dude, right. the dudes that shot up the, that was a DC snipers, them cats, like them. Yeah, but they didn't dudes. shoot up But I'm saying, not school, but I'm just saying, yeah. like in terms of like really super violent crime. But the fact that you can point out the, the one reference. Right. Right. One out of and the you last. realize how long ago that was. Right. Right. Yeah, I was in college. I was 20 years ago. Right. You know, about at least. And so like what, I'm, what I'm suggesting is this crime is crime. I mean, you know, we can just say that. But I mean, you want to look at the history of the policing. Policing actually started as a way to corral slaves. Right. Um, you think about the paddy wagon, it was designed to collect slaves on the streets. And so inside of that, policing was not designed to bring order. It was designed to really keep slavery in order. And so that's how, like, that's how we have it. So much so when you think about the word cracker, you had black men who were also perceived as crackers because they became better blacks during slavery times and were overseas as well. So the cracking of the whip became a conversation of both white crackers and black crackers, i.e. black and white police officers, who then come together in this conversation of, well, we're blue. Mm. And so then you have this, and so not only, I don't know who's worse, white cops or black cops, given that um, there's either silence because people still gotta pay bills and take care of their families, right. or people wanna get into the system and think that they can change it and they get stuck, mm -hmm. fighting a very small fight. Um, and so I think, I think when it comes to like that conversation of police, it's a, um, I think it's a small distraction on a bigger conversation. We've been conditioned. If you look at how we treat each other, we have been conditioned. Usually when we're killing each other, black folks, that is, we've broken a rule. Right. Right. We've right. broken some cultural rule where violated, we're like, now, violated the code. Yes. We violated a, a code. And so now we're like, we're doing stuff inside of that. That's not to justify. What I'm suggesting is we're often not looking to kill other people. We're often, unfortunately, in alignment with our abusers in such a way where we just want to get along. Mm. And we were Rodney King and way before Rodney King. Because if you look at like plantations, you had more slaves on the plantation than you did white folks, and none of them thought to run until they thought to run. Right. It's all conditioning. Think about that whole that whole idea of you being fearful if the police is coming in the wrong direction also suggests that you've been conditioned that you're already wrong. Right. No matter how successful and educated you and Mike are and the things that you all are doing, because you are men of color, if a police shows up, you are already wrong. Right. Like in your in your mind, you're going back to all the stuff you did, stuff they don't even know about. Did I take that candy bar? Did I call that young lady back? What did I do wrong? Right. And right. so you're in all of your wrong and we have these polices right. And so we get stuck inside of that conversation, but we don't look at the enslavement of people. 
But we teach people that we were slaves and we never were that. We were enslaved. Someone took our rights. And so, and, but in taking our rights, they also had to steal this land from the indigenous people. And so we don't talk, we don't talk about how they traded us to them and taught them how to enslave us. As right. we and so then you have, like, you have all of those things in it. And in none of those conversations were we taught to be valued. I think the mistake with Black Lives Matter is who we have the conversation for. I don't believe in going to get white people who have not called me to check on me or to stand up and fight. You're not my ally. You might be a good friend for the movies. Right. The right. allies are on the front line. And so, and I think in a conversation of mattering, we just need to get that we matter, period. Um, and stop going to like people who are outside of us to get our mattering. Like it's like we want permission to matter. Right. But if you look right. at science, we are all matter. We just need to take up more space. Right. And it's interesting that you say that, man, because being in corporate America, um, well, I'll give you, I'll give you, I'll give the, the listeners a little backstory. So when I started with my company, I was one of two black people in the state of Connecticut. And, um, and then shortly after I started, he was gone and I was the only one. And for the longest time, I've just been like, well, during that time, I was just like, man, I just want more people to look like me that are successful that I can reach out to, lean on, so on and so forth. Because another just more perspective, I came from the school system, working in the school system, right? An inner city school system at that and the largest high school in the state of Connecticut at the time uh, with 3,600 kids. And then I go into, you know, shirt and tie, white shirt, blue shirt, corporate America. And it was a culture shock. Like that's what, exactly what it was. There was no other way to put it. It was a culture shock for me. And, you know, for a very long time, like a very, very long time, I was the only black person in the state of Connecticut, which I was fine with. And I own that. But, you know, I say that to give you perspective, because now during all these things, what's happening is naturally a lot of the white leaders are reaching out to me, you know, and to check on me, which I appreciate, you know, and ask for perspective on, you know, how maybe they should address it and things like that and all of that. And the thing that, and though I love that, it kind of bothers me too, because this isn't new, right? Like this isn't a new phenomenon. And I equate that to the, well, I, I equate them listening and, and checking in on me to nothing else going on in the world right now, right? Like we we're quarantined in a damn pandemic. So if they didn't, if they ignored it, now they're complicit, right? Like if, if you ignore it when there's absolutely nothing going on, right? like now that says more about you, you but know? Even, but even then it's, it's when these things happen in a, a normal functioning society, when these things happen, it's that moment, oh shit. And then a football player slaps his wife in the elevator and the conversation's forgotten. Two rappers got beef and the conversation's forgotten. It's no, you know what I'm saying? It just, it goes away. Yep. But that's the fucked up part about it is that it only takes for the next event, no matter how big, just two marquee names in the news and the black man that was just murdered by police on camera is completely forgotten about, washed away. Yeah. So I was going to say the thing that we're talking about right now is uh, maximum capacity. And George Floyd was our maximum capacity. He was like the hundredth and one incident that literally shifted the planet. Right. Um, people will say disparaging things about his past and what it, and all of those things. But what's more important is his now. 
it wasn't it was like unfortunately black folks always need a jesus mm. and so floyd had to be the sacrifice right and so you know we become zealous for a little while and then we keep calm my hope is that we keep the june 2020 energy Mm. Um, June 2020 felt more like Black Power and less like Black Lives Matter. Right, right. And so I would like to merge those two conversations and have it be uh, Black Power Lives Matter. Right. So that we have, a, so that we get to move inside of that that lane and that lens. I think being in a situation where uh, white people are coming to you and saying, "Hey, what do you think we should do?" I think the reality of it is, number one, they respect you. They respect your opinion. They respect your voice what you have also taught them is that you're the standard mm. and yeah. because of and because of that they want to know how to keep the standard right and so we need to check in with him so you want to be clear that if you're not using your voice in that space it's only because you don't want to right and right. so there gets to be there gets to be other conversations they don't get to just come to you for this like you said before i keep hearing people say um well this has always been going on but it has been going on like this i don't know about you all but i feel like i've been dropped in the middle of a history lesson mm. in real time it's like okay i need you to learn all of this stuff about uh the united states I'm like i don't like social studies you need to learn how the confederate flag was created you need to learn where policing started you need to learn these are the things that i day to day wasn't interested in but as i work with young people and trying to get like their uh, psychologists and their social workers in their schools and even their educators who all know this, that when these kids come back to school, they're going to need somebody to talk to and it won't be like math and science as usual. It's really going to be, how are you doing? How are you processing? And then everybody won't have language. You're going to have people acting out and things like that. I think in your case, that's your brain, I think, went to write to protect yourself. Like, we ain't ready to talk about this. Right. I'm about all this other stuff. Right. You know, you are in organized sports. You both play football. Consider, right, all the stuff that went ignored because you were taught it was a part of a brotherhood of football. But if you step back just a little bit, you can see that some things may not have been, you know, because we're conditioned to like be a certain way on the field and in the locker room. Like, um, I thought for sure, for sure, you all were going to talk about Colin Kaepernick. And the whole conversation of now, all of a sudden, he should definitely be on a team. <laughs> what were, I think, that's what, I think with, with our background, it's probably what's more expected from people. But we're trying to give him a different perspective. But you mentioned a couple of things, Butter, that I think I, I want to touch on. And, and it kind of off base a little bit. But you mentioned the merging of, of Black Power and Black Lives Matter. And you said every, prior to that, you said every Black person needs a Jesus. And I can't remember the exact quote. But a while ago, it was a comparison between Jesus and therapy and how a lot of black people oftentimes use Jesus as their therapy so, yeah. when in actuality, they probably need to go to therapy. Or trust that Jesus has blessed this therapist with a ministry of psychological healing. See what I did that, there? That, I see what right. you did there. That's a sermon right there, boy. I preached that. I preached <laughs> no, that. it is. Put it on show. scripture. Put it on show. scripture. But you also mentioned when the kids... The kids going back to school and needing that outlet. And the unfortunate part about that is the outlet that they may be seeking doesn't exist in an educational setting as in 2% of African-American males make up the educational population. I didn't know that. 2%. 2%. Not only that, not only that, 
Um, when we look at when we look at education, um, if you just really track IEPs and things like that, <laughs> you'll be surprised to find how many men of color, and especially men of color, but men and women of color who have IEPs, mm -hmm. some of them go unchecked or unseen even by the parents, just enough maybe to get a signature, but there's no, there's no thought out plan. So a lot of those young people don't know that they can go to college with that same IEP and get longer test times. They can get mm -hmm. um, different kind of support having an IEP. The thing about the IEP, many of our young people are misdiagnosed. What is actually um, a behavior disorder will get charted as an IEP. No, it's, uh, the person can't sit still in class. Let me write an IEP. And then some, some educators, not all, won't go back. And then parents are educated enough to know how to manage or navigate the IEP. And so that becomes a different problem. Given that in third and fourth grade, our children are then tracked from school to prison. Right. The school to prison pipeline. Yeah. So now we're steering our students. So what he's saying is, is based on the test scores of third graders, the government now decides whether or not they're going to build more prisons. Right. That's cool. on a test score of third graders. I didn't know that. Yeah. So, well, and the other hit is sophomore year. Sophomore year is the other hit. They don't talk about that. How you have in the sophomore year of high school, they begin to steer those students who they think are going to be holdovers out of school. Steer them out of school? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Remember the, wow. with the age bracket of not being able to go to night school until you turn 17 and so that's racial systems we know like racism in your face negative words disparaging words but when we look at system like if we're going to defund police we need to refund education, education. Oh, well, but that's been an argument for years yeah without but, question but more so when these kids return back to school i implore all of everyone in the school in the school business in the school industry to an educational system to understand that some of these kids may be acting out because oftentimes as, as black men, as inner city youth, as teenagers, as, as adolescents, the only emotion we can readily identify with is anger. Uh -huh. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So when they're acting out in class, they're still, some of these kids might still be upset about seeing George Floyd, but some of these people are the ones who are the all lives matter in, in the inner city education. And it's like, so how can you connect and relate to these kids who need you to be there for them when instead it's like, well, you're going to be the next George Floyd or some shit like that. You know what I'm saying? That's, that touches on like a part that I'm struggling with right now with like some of the white people that are coming to me. Um, there was a quote I heard that said, how you are as a person is how you show up as a leader, right? And the challenge with that is if you're a fucked up person, right? Fucked up leader. You know what I mean? And you're leading a group of people in a fucked up way. So that that's the challenge with that. So the whole all lives matter folks and you know cuz the conversation I had with a lot of the the, the 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 white leaders that reached out to me it's like you know this is cool. Like I I appreciate and I love that you are engaging with me that you 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 guys what I, what I told them was like you guys aren't the issue. Like you're reaching out to me. You want to make a change. You want to do better. You you're not the issue. issue. I said however, there's people that report to you that don't share your same views. Mm -hmm. So what are you doing with those people, right? Like, how are we impacting that change, right? And there, and you know, the comments was like, you know, we'll get some training, we'll get all, and I was like, that's cool, right? Like, but that to me is like, like a supplement, right? Like you working out, right? You don't just take supplements and expect to get bigger, right? You work out and the supplement helps and enhances the strength and it maybe pushes your, your progress along. 
But my thing, what I'm struggling with right now is I'm struggling with a lot of stuff, which is why I don't want to talk about it. But one of the things I'm struggling with, which now that I think about it, as I'm sitting here right now, I'm probably putting more emphasis on this because I'm not trying to deal with my current emotions. But the, what I'm struggling with is the, 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 the white people who are basically treating this like uh, the flavor of the week or the flavor of the month, right? They're, they're engaged. They're doing all this. They're saying all the right things. But then one of my, one of my partners said something very powerful to me. He's like, I don't care what these folks, these white people are saying to me. What are you, what are they saying to their families? Right? Like what's the conversation they're having with their kids? He's like, that's what I would have that conversation with. But they're not. They're not, they're not. I don't, I don't want to say they're not. Like, I don't want to say all white people aren't doing it because there's some that are. But what I'm trying to differentiate is the ones who are having the conversation with me and having a necessary conversation with their kids or just the ones that's having the conversation with me. Like, that's where they're posers, right? They're imposters. So, and I think that's why I'm spending a lot of time on that and not spending time like I'm trying to discover who, who's who, but. I'm, I think I'm, I'm treating everybody like they're that because I don't know who's who. But that conversation is, mm-hmm. is the, the parallel on that is that conversation is something almost in bed in a black parent's future. Sit my kids down and talk to them about what to expect from the cops or how to deal with racism. White parents, that's not, that's not a part of conversation that's in bed with white people. In but it doesn't have to. Sit be. my kids down and, and teach them how to deal with racism. Like, that, that's not something they have to. Oh, I see you what you're saying. saying. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, no, see we you, have to prepare for that conversation with yeah. our kids. Like, listen, this may potentially happen to you. Yeah. They're not having, they don't have to have that conversation, well, man. I think you, so you all both just, um, you all unpacked a lot. Um, so can we go back this a little bit? Go ahead. So when we talk go about ahead, all lives, when we talk about all lives matter, what we want to consider is there are different versions of how people are using all lives matter. So you have the all lives matter people who want to kumbaya, right? But they do it in such a way where it's like, no, all lives matter. And I just want to help. I'm not like those other whites. You have that person. Right. Then you have the all lives matter because they recognize that there may possibly be a threat to their superior to their supremacy and superiority. All lives matter. All lives matter. So for them, it's like a taking, like, don't take my power away. Right. You have that other group. That's similar to them is like, all lives matter. All lives matter because now they're ashamed. So you have those, who, those people who are ashamed who know the benefit of their white skin and privilege, right? But they're ashamed that they've been taken advantage of it. Mm. So you have those folks. So as you're moving, so you're moving the conversation that way. Then you have the other group of folks who, like what you were saying about talking to their kids or talking to their families at home. First, you have to admit in that home that you have this level of privilege. We can get, the police conversation is really a distraction. What we're unwilling to talk about head on is racism. Right. And racist systems that keep us in a conversation. We're socialized to believe a certain thing about each other. Big ball black man, you're not going to trust me. Y'all going to cross the street if it's too many of us together. Right. But that's us as brothers. So we've already been taught to be afraid of us. That came from a conversation from somebody else. Right. 
but now we've adopted that truth and that philosophy for ourselves. And then moving on to uh, like what Mike was saying, I think the conversation, we get to move into more, more um, responsibility around talking to our children. Here's the thing. When we walk into a room as black men, we are responsible for the whole room, no matter what room we're in, believe it or not. No, I agree. You got to think for the white folks. You got to make sure you know where all the exits are. You got to make sure you do not move swiftly. Depending on what room you're in, you want to make sure that you're speaking correctly. Yep. So that you're, you have to make sure your code switch is correct. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. And when I, but we're not consciously thinking that. That's in our subconscious. And then what happens, we go on automatic. It's a learned behavior. Well, it's a learned behavior, but not only that, we've been taught to take care of everybody. Yes. I mean, everyone, and, and so that goes back to slavery. Like that goes you're, you're doing it at work. I'm right. doing it at work. Right. I'm doing it when I talk to like educators. I'm doing it when I talk to parents. This is what we've been taught to do as people of color. We've been taught to take care of everybody. Think about how they're treating our black women right now. Black women during slavery, they were either the parent of the child they were helping raise or they were nursing and raising somebody else's child. Yep. Fast forward to 2020, we they are still on the breast of our black women. The White House is under siege and they've left it to black women to save it. Mm. We want to talk about race, not just police. No, right, I agree. Police, police get tricky and then even talk about those white people who are taking, who are taking advantage and stuff like that, and you know, doing uh, being, uh, you know, doing a lot of performance and all this other stuff. Listen, some of them are finding their way. What we get to be smarter about, like they did, use them to our advantage. Mm. I'm not gonna tell you to stop doing that. I'm gonna invite you to go do that at the Klan rally. Right, 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 right. I want to see where your heart at. But right. you, you do have, but you do, but I mean, some of them aren't that brave. Like I saw, I saw a meme of it and I posted it, and I think it's relatively true from from my perspective. And it said, "Dear racist white people, my white friends will beat your ass." <laughs> like, but that's like, that's like the reality behind it. Like, when my white friends, the ones I got close, they'll ride for me. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So those people do it, but it's the ones that aren't accustomed to riding for you that you want and need to go ride for you at the Klan rally. Well, here's the thing. I think the mistake is you can't make the able willing, but you can make the willing able. Mm -hmm. So you pour into the people that want to do it. The ones that don't want to do it, you like put them where they are. And and that goes back to, to what I kind of was, again, for lack of a better term, focusing on, which is the, 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 the white folks in my job that's in positions of power, right? Like, like I said, I, I started by saying like, hey, you guys aren't the problem. Like, I'm going to let you guys go do your thing. You go work, right? But it's now our job to, or not convince, but to A, change the minds of some of these folks that have this negative thinking. Can or, I pause you there for a moment? Can you go back to what you just said? Um, you guys aren't the problem. Stop right there. Yep. See what you just did? You're the cool black best friend in every movie. Mm. I'm the cool black best friend. We do, we're so good at taking care of other people who even know we're doing it. Right. So like we get told every I'm responsible for racism as much as everybody else is. You're respond. The reason why I say I'm responsible on some level, I agree to this. 
even though there were systems in place, like you, like we've all said, it's been going on for so long. What did I do? Right. Other than complain to my brothers. Mm-hmm. Did I do something? Now, in the reality of it is, I joined the organization. We're looking to change the world. Momentum Education is that kind of um, organization, pardon me, where we work with all people from all kinds of backgrounds. So that's my contribution to the planet. But in that same regard, I had to check myself, like, hold up. When my friends called them, it was like, oh, oh my God, what should stop? Have you created a bail fund? Hmm. Okay, call me back if you created a bail fund. Oh my God, are you okay? Stop asking me if I'm okay. If you had to make this phone call, you actually knew the answer. Right. Here's what I want you to do. We got to stop letting people off the hook because too many of us have been on hooks. Mm. Every, that, those people that we're talking to, they're not going to step down from their positions. Right, 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 right. That's a very good point. Yeah, so, they're not going to leave their money for, for, for a cause. For a cause, right, right. Yeah, so you hold them accountable. Here's what I'd like for you all to do. Given that you all are the persons that can make power, what can you do with your money to, like, set up mentoring programs for young Black men who want to go into this field? One thing I will say to their, much to their credit, my company, in a major way, put their money where their mouth is. Um, yeah. Like, a major way and it, and it's going to fund um all the social justice platforms and they even asked like hey wh- who should we give the money to basically so and they again <laughs> it's a major way i don't want to give up too much so you don't know who i work for but anyway <laughs> um, but it, it was but stop telling them that they stop telling them that they're not them they benefited from the system of racism they've been they've benefited from their whiteness yeah and whiteness is not even a thing to like hold on to, and people fight for it. Right. So there was a there was a, uh, a, a again memes and some I saw online that said this is specifically for those who have such a difficult time wrapping their heads around and accepting the irrefutable facts pertaining to the existence of privilege. It's a privilege to learn about racism instead of experience it your whole life. Yeah. Like, listen, man. This okay. So for me, this conversation looks a number of different ways because. I'm also looking at um, people who have come out about, you know, Black Lives Matter and, you know, like, you know, there are some some gay folks who are like, hey, you know, what about us? We can't march comfortably. And I'm like, this is not the time for that. We got some housekeeping to do in our community. Right. right now, we need to focus on police brutality. It's not to dismiss it. Um, and then... Uh, Tony McDay was killed. That's a transgender male. Once he was killed, then the conversation kind of changed a little bit until we saw the sister that was uh, beat up and accosted because she had ran into some cars. When they found out that she was transgender, then they made it a hate crime. And so mm-hmm. we like for me, when I look at those kind of things, it's like, listen, you all, we as a community, we got some house cleaning to do, but we've been taught to hate each other from a system design, because as long as we're doing infighting, the, that, that system gets to stay in place. Let's talk about how you feel regarding the George Floyd situation right there, because that's what you didn't want to talk about, what you okay. were avoiding. How do you feel about it? Why didn't you want to talk about it? Um, for obvious reasons. Well, I shouldn't say obvious reasons, because maybe it's not obvious to all the listeners. But, um, 
quite frankly, the biggest reason why I didn't want to talk about it is because I have a son now. That's why. And the conversation that I kind of touched on with some people who I, I started every conversation with, you know, which this is another thing. I've gotten countless calls from my white friends, right? And maybe two or three from my black friends to check in like how we're doing. So that's a whole nother conversation, but um, which is why we have this, right? Like, why aren't we're, we checking on not, each other we're more? Not talking you know? about that. Yeah. We're not talking about this. But the biggest reason why I don't want to talk about it is because I had a son now, man. And, and, and what I equated it to was this. I am who I am, right? I've, I've had a, um, a broke upbringing, which allowed me to grow up um, in the hood, but not necessarily have to partake in everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, it allowed me to, to learn right how to navigate through some of this bullshit right like i learned i got a lot of um invaluable skills that you kind of caught you know not taught necessarily like you just being in the environment being around you pick up things you you you, people will call it street smart right? right my concern is my son will grow up privileged in comparison to me Right. Like he's going to grow up in the suburbs. He's going to grow up in a, in, a, in a great school system. He he won't have to learn on the fly survival. Mm-hmm. Right. Like this blanket statement. He won't have to learn survival. So because that will be taken care of for him. So my concern is, is the unintended consequence of him being brought up with all the things that I never had is the unintended consequence that he's not going to learn the tools necessary to fucking survive if he gets pulled over. I have a question for you, Bell. Yeah. Did you have that same feeling um, or fear when it came to your daughter? No, I didn't. So, so I want, so, and I, and I asked that reason, I asked that question deliberately because I want you to really look at that. Look at how you're holding your daughter, who we all know is a genius, mm-hmm. right? But you're underestimating her father. You're underestimating the power of her father. Mm-hmm. You feel like you grew up in a situation um, that was tough and things like that. What would your father say about how you were raised? Um, well, they, didn't, they would probably call it like normal. Like, exactly. Like because... We- for him, see, I think we're born in the times that we're born in because we need what we need in those times. Right. You needed to learn the kind of hustle because what you were getting wasn't just street sparks, they were portable skills. Mm-hmm. I was just going to mention you're Because when you're in a boardroom, right? I was mention that. And they know that version textbook, you're like, okay, I got you on textbook, but you know what? When I was in about the seventh grade, such and such happened. And you can almost see what's about to occur right. because you have those other skills. Your son may not need that. Mm. His father is on a platform talking to black men about the idea that, you know what, we all need therapy. Like give yourself the gift of therapy. Your son is coming to, is coming to a world, he's absolutely privileged in that he gets the, he gets the privilege to come into the world a man of color. So he's already, we already know that he's coming to the world strong. Right. Not only is he coming to the world strong, he's coming to an educated father. 
And so in an educated mama. So when he comes into the, so now he's in the world educated, right? By right. these two parents, school is paramount. So yeah. now he's already going to be moving with a certain level of pride. And what's your last name? Bellamy. And so now he has the privilege to hold the name Bellamy. And here's your responsibility as a Bellamy when you leave our house. Right. That's the conversation that you get to have with your son so that he recognizes he's not just going to school for him. His responsibility is to be a Bellamy. And this is the kind that you need to be if you're going to represent this family. Mm. Because one day you will take that same name and share it with a woman like dad did. Right. See, right. so the conversation gets to like, it gets to shift. What I'm, what I love is how much your son, listen, anybody that knows you that knows your daughter knows that she's your world. Right. But you let us in on a secret. Your son is your universe. Mm. Like it's something about him that you're working extra. It's like you're doing overtime. You're doing overtime. And so what I want you to do is allow him. Don't be so afraid to let him touch some of the corners. Mm -hmm. right let him know when stuff is hot let him know not to jump off that but every now and again let him touch the corner so he know that the corners are out there right but you don't want to instill fear in him and don't like create someone who's not gonna want to like who won't jump he'll move comfortably right you know what i'm saying like I, and i tell you and mike this all the time and i guess this now y'all gonna know y'all hold him accountable for it too like when it come to you all i don't i don't think you all get Sometimes that you all are the prototype. You all are the standard of what it is to be a man, regardless of what your history has been. And so it might feel uncomfortable. It might feel like a lot. As black men, I've watched your peer. I've watched your peer circle being around you all. I've watched men of all races, men of all cultures. Well, there's only one race, but men of all cultures come to you all for support, for advice, for food. For I'm about to leave and y'all like, I think you probably should stay, work that thing out, right? Like you all have been there for so many people and it's great to see that you all are matriculating. And so, so imagine what your father must have gone through sending his son to college. Right. Because he prepared you for all of that other stuff. Did, was he equipped enough to prepare you for college? No. Yes, he did. Well, he, he prepared, he was, he was prepared to like what I learned in the house prepared me for the world of college. But I yeah. was talking, I, I thought you meant like the, the edu you were talking about education. I thought you meant like the education portion of it. And I mean, he, no, he, he just trusted, he trusted that you were going to do what you did in high school. Right. He right. trusted you were going to do it in elementary school. You have to trust that all the stuff that your dad imparted in you, you're going to impart it. What's your son's name again? Chase. But come on now. Like if you like, you want to consider that Chase was designed to run. Hmm. Like there's no quitting in Chase. Right. Right. And so I, like I think what bountifully happened regardless. Yeah. Right. But I think with both of y'all sons, we already know they're gonna be tied to sports. We already know that they're like there's certain things that your three sons are gonna like, you know, y'all together, y'all have three sons. Y'all gonna have those young men. I'm not worried about your sons. Mm. And thank God that you can put your son in a house. There's nothing about bragging about struggling is not bragging. Right. Struggling is a mindset because you can be in that house and still be struggling to pay the bills because then you're living above, above your means. You designed your life in such a way where you're able to encapsulate all of the things that you've learned. Turn it, you, you allowed your past to teach you how to pay yourself in your future. 
Right. Your son might be doing a lot of stuff, but he won't have to worry for worry about college. Right. right. That's the difference. But what's great is that you're going to teach him how to earn it. Give him what he needs. Even even with all that being said, but uh, I think there's always, unfortunately, that underlying fear that underlying what if i mean everybody every parent has it but it's just so much more ingrained in the black man like that fear of what happens if my child blah 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 blah. and as a black man like i'm sitting here and i'm just i'm i'm just thinking i'm like i'm like low-key getting teary-eyed to think about my kids and like just the fear i had like that's the parent's worst nightmare my mom did it you know what i'm saying having to lose a child and it's like it's just so unfortunate that we as black men and, and bell is probably the, the prime example of just taking what he's taken from the inner city and brought it and brought it to corporate america and i'm certain he may not even be aware that he uses a whole bunch of shit that he learned in the streets in this corporate america job tenfold and that's what he's going to put into his child but he's still in the back of his mind is like how do i prepare my baby for this fuckery going on out there yeah that's not gonna change that's good parenting that's good fathering you listen, you can have two kinds of fear. You can have a fear that will have you paralyzed, but you can have a fear and you it'll keep you moving. What you all have is a fear that's still keeping you move, keeping you moving. When you talk about racism and you're talking about these young men in the conversation of a George Floyd, you get to have this conversation. One of the conversations that came up on our Black Teens Matter call was what's the best age to begin to tell your talk to your child about racism? And so the conversation then became when they're able to understand it. You got to have the conversation. The fear is not, if you're already fearing in this way and they're babies, if you don't get this, like, if you don't learn to manage this now, you won't even be able to handle it when it comes to high school. Right. So you got to give yourself permission to say, hey, this is what you do. This is a, these are all the things that you do. Our parents send us out to school every day. It's a revolutionary act to send any black child outside, especially our men. Right. It's literally a revolutionary act. Like, yo, I'm doing this in protest of you trying to make us stay in and be nothing. And so what you all are doing is a powerful conversation because you all love these young men. But if anybody didn't know y'all, y'all love y'all boys like that. Right. When the knuckleheads get to knucklehead and y'all like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let somebody chill for a minute. Put your drinks down. Let's talk. Right. That y'all got that from the men in y'all lives. Or you became those men over time. Your right. sons get to be raised by those men is what I'm suggesting. Like, I hear the fear. Um, but I also hear the love. The love is far more paramount for me in this moment. Yeah. And, and what I'm getting from this, brother, is it doesn't have to be like what, what I'm hearing from you is that knowledge that I'm afraid he's not going to gain because he's not in the same environments as, as me. What it's it, it sounds like what you're saying is it will be understood. Right. Like that 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 background, you know, the what's made me tick and what's made me do well in certain areas is a part of him is a part of him and, and will be um bestowed upon him like just in my teaching in my in my regular like um parents and, and matt consider this think about all the stuff your dad taught you where he didn't yell no no for sure for sure but he let you bump your head right. and then had you come back and go you you ready to talk now right no for sure 
Listen, anybody, Monday, go sit down. <laughs> Context clues. Yeah. yeah. Right? It's o like. He replaces the N word with Mondays. You call people Mondays. And so, for, and so that, I thought that was so genius. Because your father grew up in a time when that word took power away. Right. And, so he refused and in the to, South, on top of that. And he refused to adopt it. Shout out to Cottondale. Now, imagine. Imagine this, that he looked at his son as a child and said, one day my son is going to have a podcast to talk about, to talk about things that are important to, to Black men, especially therapy. Let's keep going. He never saw that. Right. He just knew that he was raising greatness. Right. Right. That's all well, he... And, and, and that's a good point because we also can't back to the fear and what'd you say fear and scared or what'd you say i'm scared but not afraid scared but not afraid we can't let that be debilitating either right where it's like we're so concerned about this that that's all we focus on and then we we forget about all this other stuff that he could be learning in this time instead of us trying to you know give him all this stuff so if he ever gets pulled over he knows what to do it's like what happened what what happened and like if what did we replace that with right like if, if we're doing all of this what aren't we doing you know what i'm saying so so that's your son talk? Huh? Can you talk say it again can your son talk is he talking yeah, now no, he ain't talking yet right here's what you do go get him a black lives matter t-shirt for infants <laughs> take the picture and remind him of when he was born mm. that's the way you do that Right. You were born. You were born in this time. This is what was happening. Right. And I took this picture so that you, to hold it in history for you. Like you give him back his history. You give him back his wisdom. Like by like really like marking those times for him. Right. He does this for us all the time. You'll know what 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 the year and the time was like. Things like neo soul. You can almost go back. Gangster rap. Mm. Music has been doing that for us for the longest, and we've been like missing it. But you literally can pinpoint error based upon music. Right. Give your child his music, and like like have him have those things. Back to the original point about George Floyd. Um, I'll answer it since you couldn't. When I saw George, a number of things went through my mind. Um, eight eight minutes and forty six forty seven seconds. I didn't realize how long that time was and how much of that time I waste day to day hoping for things, mm. wishing that I had gotten something done. Um, having him call out for his mother, who, who we would later learn is dead. That, um, that struck me in a place that I can't even explain. It's almost, as, it's almost as if he knew yeah. that a change was about to occur that he wouldn't be able to come back from. And that's and that shit is so. Think about how tough we are, how many fights we've been in, all that other good shit. What would it take for you to fucking cry out for your mama, dog? Yeah, that's what I'm not willing to think about. Just like, what would it take for a grown man to cry out for his mama, butter? Yeah, yeah, and not not only cry out. I want you to hear me good because you just made a good point. As tough as he was. Like you just said that, 
that's what would have him crowd like that like that's the part that got me was that he was willing to strip away everything to be as vulnerable as possible to say mama if you go back and look at the video real good the people that came and picked him up if you notice when they went to pick him up his his neck was his neck was not fully attached so the person adjusted his head he had his head like this because it was just flimsy. He was already gone before he even gotten, gotten, if you go back and look at the whole video. And so for me, I was like, well, not only did, they knew that they had done something wrong, but the level of arrogance, Impressive. the level of arrogance. And then let me be real clear. People always talk about, well, you know, it was a black cop there too. Y'all might want to do background on these folks. Cause that black cop, he had a couple of skeletons in his closet. One being he's white assimilated. Mm. He's like very much like I'm not that kind. Right. So why and why then, am I so angry right now? Like in this moment, like it's fucking infuriating, dog. Because that could have been you. What are you saying? Right. That's the part that none of us want to talk about. That literally could have been you. And if you're not doing something to change that, then you are doing nothing. That's why I'm not worried about Chase. I'm not, I'm not worried about Major. I'm not worried about these babies who have fathers like you all. I'm not worried in that way because I know they got it. This won't happen to your sons. Y'all ain't gonna let that happen because right. you are intentional about changing the world. That's what I mean by that. You're upset and you're angry right now because that level of arrogance you've seen before and you said nothing. Mm. You felt like, and here's the part, no matter how tough or how big you are, how tall are you, Mike? Six two. No matter how big or how tall you are, you knew the moment a police told, showed up and said, you need to move on, you moved on. Right. And he might've been half your size and probably got slick at the mouth. Way too often. But you, we have been, nobody really speaks to how much power we give the police. Like, it's, we're so conditioned. We don't fear firemen that way. <laughs> we don't fear our parents that way. Right. Police have us shook, and all they got to do is sometimes speak. But that's what part of the conditioning, though. You know what I mean? Like they can take your life away. Exactly. Oh, I'm glad you're in this corporate job and you got all of this stuff. Congratulations. We're gonna make you an example. Mm -hmm. Right before I got on the call with y'all, watch this brother. I think he's in London. He was a banker. The police accused him of having guns, questioned why he had such nice cars. It was 26 to 27 months before he was able to like get you know himself like back on his feet so to speak but he but when he went back to the job they couldn't give him back the same position so he's at a lower position and now he's considering suing the the police department in london but that's who they think we are all over the world right yeah but so i've read an article the other day about a new york state emergency room doctor, one of the very few black emergency room doctors in New York State. And in his article, he's stating that he's been around 
immense number of traumas that come through the emergency room, all the COVID shit, and he's more fearful of his commute to work than he is with yeah. all the shit going on that he sees on a daily basis. Like he fears more going to work and being stopped by the police than dealing with the COVID patients and the gunshot wounds and whatever else he has to experience in the ER. Like how insane is that? Well, think about it like this. When you look at, um, you think about how you were a child, when, when you were a child, can you remember all of the whoopings you ever had? <laughs> no. No. But you probably can remember most of the life-changing lessons. Beatings are not life-changing. What's life-changing are words. And word, like my words work. That was from a good friend. Her name is Dr. Mori. My words work. And so in my words working, people, other people's words work too. So what we've been done, they've been conditioning us and conditioning us and conditioning us. So they have police come to the school when we're little to say, you should trust the police. Trust the police. You should trust. You can go to the police. What they don't tell us is that those police are being taught something different about you, about me. Those police are taught, oh, if black, you know, black man, black shirt, hoodie, he must be a criminal. I've, it's happened. It's happened too many times to me being on elevators with white people. I work with teens. I'm usually in like kicks, jeans, a t-shirt, maybe a blazer, but I rock my sneakers because that's what they look. Oh, those DZs. Yep. Now let me talk to you about this, 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 and this. I got them. Right. I've had people say to me on elevators, um, the service entrance is in the back. Are you making a delivery? Wow. And walked into a training and I was the trainer. Right. I, I strategically did that at one event, like dressed and let them stereotype me as they walked in and then went in and, you know, did my thing like that. Yeah. But we are taught to be okay with that. Even like with brothers who haven't called to check on you. You understand the PTSD that we're under. Like when you all told me I was doing this podcast, I was like, yes, because you all are the bridge. I think for so many who are afraid to go to therapy. Without question. Without question. Like, I want to like, I need to have this conversation. And then up to the point where like, I'm constantly having the same conversation. I need some more help. Go to therapy, get your support. Mm. Not a therapist is going to work with you. That's what that looks like. I think that we get, we get um, stuck trying to fix systems of oppression and systems of racism. There's been, in order for many women um, to be abused, for children to be abused, their first condition by their abusers. Mm -hmm. a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. And then that abuser gets to a place where, oh, I can do this now. And then it goes more and more and more. Well, what's been happening to us as a race, our abuser has been conditioning us over time. So much so, when you look at how, um, when you look at sometimes how women are, um, are sex trafficked, now the abuser is not abusing them or conditioning them or recruiting them. Now it's the, the other young ladies they've abused are now we're doing the recruiting. Right. So now I go back and say, uh, Belle, Mike, y'all be good. Y'all be good. Now, you know, I understand where y'all coming from. Y'all be good. And mm. before you know it, I'm now conditioned you, but I'm proud of myself because I didn't, I didn't talk to you and I didn't got you in place. And then I go to look at Suh. And then what he does, he slaps me. 
because he's conditioned for me to believe that he's a master and they never they they were never masters that's mm. what they call themselves right the masters of what <laughs> and so that's what that that's what that looks like because now i'm going to somebody who believes himself higher than what he is i got a little bit of self-esteem but not enough to move past where i'm at and i can't let you move any further that's why we still got people on the street that are homeless it's right. a system in place Mike, Bell, go to work tomorrow. You're going to step over three homeless people. Right. They're just there as a reminder that you need to be at work. And y'all need to be good black boys because we're not ready. We're not quite ready to see you as black men. Right. That's what that, Mike. My, my timer just went off, but I gave us, we were at our, our hour mark. So Ooh. we're going to be, I don't know if you want to, we can keep going. We can, you know, I mean, no, it's, start, I mean, start tapering it off right now, but, um, Man, it's been it's 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 been real. I, I I'm still like I'm I'm I just in in having these conversations. Like I don't know for a moment ago I was like just like filled with like a rage, man. And I and I really, it's difficult to explain, but I guess we kind of did that. But I'm still like I I got angry for. I it, mean, th there's there's one. I don't feel like you need to explain it, right? Now I know you may have just been saying that for context, but I don't think you need to explain it. Um, in fact, if it needs to be explained by to someone if someone needs more understanding they're part of the problem right like the fact that someone who looks like me is killed which i know it's not on a daily basis on camera but that's what it feels like right it's like we can't even grieve over george floyd without hearing about you know Amal aubrey right brianna taylor like this is all within like 10 days right and now obviously um Amal Aubrey got killed in February, but it came to the light, you know, right, right, right. around Memorial Day. So all these things happen. So that that's that's one of the biggest things. It's like, man, not only am I gonna be um unjustly killed potentially, right, based on statistics, I'm also gonna be unjustly killed in front of the whole world, which is fucking crazy. Like that's the part, like that and 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 you know, we can go down this path if you want. But what does that do to your psyche? What does that do to your self-worth as a, as a person? To know that I, I am not even worth someone stopping this person from doing this. And on top of that, we're filming it to get justice. But as a result, the unintended consequence of that is everybody has to now watch it, right? And then now what is the psychological toll that that does on everybody who's watching themselves, a version of themselves being killed? Like what it, 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 and I'm not a therapist, right? Like we the disclaimer, but it can't be good for you, right? It can't be good for your self-esteem. It can't be good for your self-worth. Like it can't be good for any, you have to be a strong individual to continue to push. Like, that's why I say we're that, such a resilient people, right? Man. And we are. And the fact that we're here doing this and I'm able to, I'm able to one, identify that anger is, is in fact the first emotion that comes to me, but I'm also sad. I'm also afraid. I'm also discouraged and I'm connected to those emotions. And it's important that us as black men dig deeper and dig beyond the anger to be able to express those things and understand that this is why I feel this way and deal with those things. Because I, I go through these phases, like a couple of times now, I'm just looking at my eyes are watering, just thinking about my kids, thinking about my future, thinking about my partner, thinking about my man, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, it's a lot that goes into it. And like you said, we are the gatekeepers to every room we walk in. Yeah, but I think you all you all are you all are asking and answering your question at the same time. 
like when you talk up when you when uh bell says that that can't be good and we just had a conversation about chase and what that what that brings about in you when you think about your son and even now not be being able to talk about it fully yeah that's not good and you're one of the ones that oh he made it he got out of there can you imagine the person you know who may be a who may be a diverse learner who's constantly being treated a certain way. Because see, here's what we haven't talked about with this whole George Floyd conversation. We haven't talked about COVID-19 or the quarantine. Right, right. Now, mind you, we were left in a home to stay for, you know, for however many months or weeks. Many people didn't make a lot of money. So they're already on edge. You might've got $1,200. You might've got that additional five, but you're not working, job gone. You have all of that stuff. And then not only that, you're like somebody kills you. And then we judge people around looting and rioting and all that other stuff. But Yeezy dropped a new shoe. Nike dropped a new shoe. And then we tell them, uh, go get a job and get that. And then they take advantage of this situation and they go ride and they loot. I'm not for rioting. I'm not for looting. I am for Martin Luther King and Malcolm. And by any means necessary, the message got clear that we too have a dream. Mm. And for us, it's to survive. Michael, as an artist, it's your responsibility to tell the story. Mm. Right? Like, you have to talk about fear and scared because people may not come to this platform, but they'll go to see you perform. Right. Bill has to have this conversation with the fellas, get a couple of beers, sit in the backyard and go, yo, y'all, let's just talk about this. How y'all feel about such and such and such and such? And then be able to be okay with the answers. Mm -hmm. Because you may not, or we may not like the answer to this question. So we implore the fellas out there to get your your partners together, grab some drinks and have open and honest conversations, man. Throw all the judgment out the window. Let's get some of this off our chest. It, it, it can potentially save a life. Yeah, and it, it can also mitigate um, or minimize the the anger, right? right? Like if, if we can release some of this through conversation, right, and the open dialogue, it won't be pent up. And then the first time we're faced with a situation that we instantly put ourselves in the George Floyd situation or mindset where it's like, this is not about to happen to me. We could potentially escalate a situation right. that didn't need to be escalated because of our pent up aggression and our that pent is, up anger. That is certainly going to happen. We are so scarred that the first encounter with the next, the next encounter with the police officer says, protect myself, protect my life in all, in all regards. And it may not be that situation, but we right. essentially turned it into that because we because are so defensive and yeah. so hypersensitive. Yeah. And so, but here's the unfortunate part. Do you see what we're doing yet again? Justifying it? No. You're thinking for the whole room. Mm. Right. You're saying that the next time you're accosted by police is going to happen, happen, happen. Why aren't they having that conversation? Oh, the police, you mean? Why am I, why are they not in a conversation with each other going, okay, you know what? We need to be clear that the world is not with us right now. And when I show up, I need to show up a certain way. So man, with, with that being said, but a man, um, we thoroughly appreciate you for, for, for being on and, yeah. uh, and, and sharing your wisdom. I can't wait to cut this up and create my little one minute commercial because you dropped some gems on us, man. Um, 
your final thought though you kind of like open the show he closed the show it's kind of yeah we created and like we said in the first episode you know we're speaking for ourselves right right? like these 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 are this is how we're feeling if you can take something from it so be it like i said i started off the show um on the contract as chief's therapist so i'm (laughs) going to continue playing my part you know and and helping my man out um but no like my, my final thought with all this man is and it's not even what I wrote down on the paper, but my final thought for this is, you know, let's address what needs to be addressed, right? Both internally and externally. Like I said in the first episode, I'm not, I'm not an activist, right? That's not my personality and, and it is what it is, but this is my contribution, right? Like one, raising amazing human beings and two, um, one of my old players texted me today, um, he said, um, he thanked me, thanked us. We both coached him. He thanked us for, for dropping the gems and stuff like that and just being the voice and so on and so forth. And my contribution is not holding on to information that I feel like someone can benefit from. And in that being said, I feel like there's a lot of work that's going to be done in these times that we're all going to benefit from, right, as a collective. Yes. So, fellas, wherever you at, Whoever you are, you ain't too hood to have a conversation with your homies. Plain and simple. You ain't too tough to have a conversation with your homies. So with that being said, smooth, seamless transition, although it's not. Justice for Brianna Taylor. Word up. Brianna Taylor was sleeping. That's crazy. Eight, she got shot eight times. She was sleeping. So now you can't be black and sleep in your own crib. We're going to jump down a whole new rabbit hole and start a whole other case of anger management course <laughs> anger management course so listen we appreciate you butter where can the people find you on, on social media give that I'm, I'm uh at butterfly soul on uh instagram at b-u-t-t-a-f-l-y-s-o-u-l at instagram or you can hit me on uh facebook at entertainer butterfly soul uh, and that's b-u-t-t-a-f-l-y-s-o-u-l or leslie butterfly soul taylor my other facebook page um and you know this is crazy. I love what y'all are doing. Y'all made me like real happy. My food about tastes real good right now. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, he's also a comedian too and hella funny. Hella funny. Anyways, listen, something that, that black men aren't doing, aren't doing enough these days. Leslie Butterfly Soul Taylor, you my man and I love you, B. Word I love up. you, man. Definitely love, I love you, man. Love. We appreciate you, man. I'm excited for your sons. I'm excited for my nephews. Word I'm glad to have for y'all sure. as fathers. For sure, for sure. With that being said, this has been episode four of All Black Men Need Therapy. Questions, comments, complaints, concerns, hit us up at allblackmenneedtherapy at gmail.com. Give us a follow on Instagram at allblackmenneedtherapy. Listen, hug a black man today and tomorrow. Peace. We out.